Thanks for listening. Our mission here at Life West Church is to see you and your family equipped and empowered to be and do all that God has for you. For additional resources and info, go to lifewest.church. Good to see everybody this morning. Welcome to church. You picked a great place to be this morning. And if I haven't met you, uh, my name is Samuel, and I mean this from the bottom of my heart, that it is just, it is just Beck and I's absolute honor to get to serve you guys here at Life West, and I would love the chance to meet you. So stick around afterwards. We've got plenty of time between the services. Please don't feel like you have to take off, but, but say hi. I really would um, just love the chance to get to meet you. And we're going through, we're doing a little bit different. And that is, we're going through the book of Ephesians together, just going through, and as, the, as we pick apart these verses, and where the Lord leads, we're just kind of answering those questions and, and running those, those things, really seeing them out through the end. And we're in Ephesians chapter 1, and we've been talking about this, really, these last several weeks, we've been in Ephesians 1, verse 19, talking about a prayer that Paul, now Paul's the, the writer of the book of Ephesians, but as with all of the Bible, the Bible was authored by God, but written by man. Man, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, penned or wrote the different letters, the different books of the Bible. So when Paul, Paul is the person that wrote it under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he's one of the authors of the Bible. Uh, there's about 40 of them. We're not 100% sure on every one of the books. But this one, Paul's like, hey, uh, I'm the writer. And he's writing this to a group of believers really teaching them, making known what it is to be a Christian and how it's supposed to change our lives. So Ephesians 1.19 is part of his prayer for this church. And he says this, he says, I also pray that you would understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe. This is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the heavenly place of honor at God's right hand in heavenly realms. And we've really been talking about that power, and we looked at James 4, 7, over and over and over, and what James 4, 7 says is, submit yourself therefore to God, resist the devil, and he will flee. So we spent the last two weeks really looking at what it means to submit to God. We looked at delegated authority, and the fact that God says, if you're not honoring delegated authority, you're not honoring me. He says, if you're dishonoring delegated authority, you're dishonoring me. So we kind of unpack that. You're like, well, what was that? If you missed it, jump on the podcast, jump on uh, YouTube, look those up and listen to those for yourself. Because now what we're going to do is we're going to jump ahead to, okay, so how do we do that? So step one, submit yourself to God. But step two is resist the devil and he will flee. Well, how, how, how awesome. How do we do that? Like, how do, I, how do I kick the devil out of my family, out of my finances, out of my health, away from my business, away from my home? Come on. Like, I'd, I'd love to do that. What, what do we do? Okay. Well, I'm so glad you asked that question, because that's what we're going to answer. Come on. Here we go. So understand this. I want to, real, real quick, Jesus is our example. But sometimes when I mention, or when somebody says, well, Jesus is our example, um, we forget about the fact that Jesus not only was our example, but what Jesus did, Jesus did as a man. And because we hold Jesus up and we realize he's God, and we should, because Jesus is God. But we kind of, we hold him up on this pedestal, and what, what, what often happens is this, is we think 
well, he's God, so he did that, so I can't. But Philippians 2 says this in verse 5, and let's think about this. Philippians 2 verse 5, you must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine, he gave up his divine privileges, he took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. He gave up his divine attributes. So what you see Jesus do, he did as a man. He did as a man. He is our example. He was God. Keep him on that pedestal. He is our God. But what you see Jesus do in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, what the Bible says about Jesus, he did as a man. And here's what I mean by that. Here's why that's so important. That means another man or woman could do what he did. Not take his place in salvation, no. That's not what I'm saying. But he gave up of his divine. So when we look at the miracles, the authority that he had, the things that he did, he didn't do them like showing off like, I can do this, but you can't. Oh, this is for me. Oh, I'm... No, 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 I'm God, so I, I can do this. No, no, so let's look at this a little bit more. He was God, but he gave that up, and he became a man. You're like, well, he was, he was God's son. Yes, he was, but as believers, so are we. Ephesians 1.5 says this, God decided in God, God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family to bring us to himself through Jesus Christ. You are adopted. You, as a believer, are just as much God's son. You are his adopted son as much as Jesus was. So the same power that we just read about in Ephesians, that same power that raised Christ from the dead is available to you and me. Mark 16, verse 17 says this, and these signs will follow those who believe. This doesn't say those who believe will follow signs and wonders, okay? It says these signs will follow those that believe. In my name, they will cast out demons, they will speak in new tongues, they will take up serpents, and if they drink any deadly thing, it will by no means hurt them. And they will lay hands on their sick, on the sick, and they will recover. Jesus didn't say, I'll do these things, you get to go to heaven. That's not what it says. This is Jesus talking in many of your Bibles, this will be the red stuff. Some of those Bibles, that red stuff, that means Jesus said it. So to, to help make that clearer, it's red in some of our Bibles. And Jesus says, these signs will follow those that believe. So if you're wondering, do I believe that all the miracles passed away with Jesus or the last disciples? No. No, definitely not. So I believe that miracles happen today? Well, absolutely. If Jesus said these signs will follow those that believe, then this should be following us who believe. Because I believe it. That, yes, we believe that. Absolutely. Luke 10, 19. Again, this is in red. And it says, look. I have given you authority over all the power of the enemy, 
and you can walk among snakes and scorpions and crush them. Nothing will injure you, but don't rejoice because evil spirits obey you. Rejoice because you are registered in heaven. You are registered in heaven. So we've got some snakes in the back. No, 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 no. <laughs> okay, okay, some of you got that, some of you didn't. Uh, um, interesting. Okay, so what is this talking about? It's talking about you and I walking in the authority that we are meant to have. We're meant to have that authority. When we're submitted to God, and that's always number one. Number one is you submit to God. So no, I'm not going to purposely go put myself around a bunch of snakes just to have them bite me because the Bible says that, hey, a snake will bite me and I won't die. No. No, that's not what it says. It says, submit yourself to God, resist the devil, and he will flee. He will flee. Now, um, I was in Bible school, and a guy, a guy came to preach, and he talked about, um, he was a missionary, and he talked about just this disease that showed up in the village that they were at, and people were dying. Just, just the village was getting wiped out, and he and one of the other missionaries were there, and he left, and the other missionary says, I can't leave. And they're like, okay, like over half of the village is already dead. You need to go. And he's like, no, I, I feel I'm supposed to stay. And the other guy's like, I'm not, I'm leaving. So the guy that was teaching us, he, he stayed. But the guy that was there was like, I'm, I can't go. So he stays in the village. And he helps. And he says, at this point, a lot of, what, of, of the helping that he was doing was removing the dead bodies. Because they'd go into a hut and they'd find three, four people dead. And, and it, it was just, they're, they're trying to just keep everybody separate and try to figure out what was going on. And anyways, well, finally, I don't remember what organization, but some organization shows up and they looked at the, the missionary and they go, hey, um, who have you been in contact with? And he's like, well, I've been in contact with them and 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 them. And they're like, you, how are you not sick? And they're like, you should be sick. I'm like, well, what is it? So this is what they did. So the organization shows up and they're like, okay, this guy should be sick. He has to have some sort of immunity. Let's see what's going on. They check his blood, and they're like, there's no immunity in your blood. There's, there's nothing in this that should allow you to still be living with the exposure that you had. And I forget the name of the disease that it was. And he said, well, the, I can tell you what it is. He says, God's word says that no sickness, that none of this is going to touch me. And he says, take some of it. And so they, do it, they, they actually did this where they took some of this disease, again, I don't remember the name, and they put it under the microscope and they saw that it was alive. They put his hand under the microscope and they put some of it living on his hand. And when they did, they watched the disease die the minute it touched him. And they're like, this shouldn't be happening. They're like, there's no reason. And so they did it again and again. So there's two missionaries. One feels that God's telling them to stay, to continue to minister and take care of bodies. And he stays, and God protects him. And another one is like, I don't feel that, so he leaves. 
So he leaves. There's been a misunderstanding, a, a twisting of this verse where it says things like, nothing will injure you, to mean that if I do anything, nothing will ever happen to me. But that's not it. That's why we read this after we read James 4, 7, where it says, submit therefore unto God, resist the devil, and he will flee. When we're walking in submission to God, we are his ambassador, he's our back. When we step out of that and go into our flesh and into our own and doing what we want, we're out from underneath his covering and we're no longer representing him. And so there is a difference. That's why the importance of step one is we submit, therefore, to God. Resist the devil and he will flee. Resist the devil. But this is, this is the authority that you and I are meant to have. The things that Jesus did, we are meant to do. He says, I've given you authority over all the power of the enemy, over all the power of the enemy. So how is it that we resist the devil? Well, Jesus was that example. Because although he was God and we hold him up because he was God and is God, he emptied himself of his divineness and became a man. And so what he did as a man, mankind, you and I, man or woman, can do. We can do. So in Luke chapter 4, we see how Jesus resists the devil. And here's, the, here's, here's what we see. If you want to read it, you can start in Luke chapter 4, kind of run through those first verses. But here's what we see. We see Jesus was led into the wilderness and he fasts. And after the fasts, after the fast, Satan comes to tempt him because he was hungry. So Satan, he's going to look for our weakness. He's not, and that's why, here's what you see, is different people have different weaknesses. I, I, I've never really been drawn to alcohol. That's, that's, not, that's not me. Um, just, that's just not my weakness. It's, it's, it's really not. I've never been like, oh, I just, I just have to have. No. Um, but I like coffee, and I like it enough. I'm like, I wonder if I did drink, if I would drink way too much. I don't know, but I just don't. But that, that's, that's not it for me. Um, stealing. I don't, I don't struggle like every time I go to the bank with like, I really want to rob the place. Like, I don't, I don't, I don't do that. That's, that's, that's not it. Um, or really anywhere else. I mean, I've told the story before that I accidentally steal things because I pick them up in the store and walk out without realizing it. And it's usually when I get to the car that I'm like, I'm so sorry, and you got to go back in and give it to the person that's at the door that's supposed to be stopping you from stealing things. But have you ever noticed that those silly, like, alarm things go off on me all the time. And nine out of ten times that I'm walking out with the alarm, the, the attendant's like, oh, I, no, no, just go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. And I'm like, what's the point of the alarm? Because they forget to, anyways. So where was I? Oh, we're talking about Jesus. <laughs> that makes sense. So Satan waits until he's hungry. And this is where God tempts us in the, well, Satan tempts us where it is that we're weak, and he waits for us to be. So Jesus finishes fasting, and Satan comes, and he tempts him. And this is the first thing that he says, is Satan says to him, if you are the son of God, turn these stones into bread. So Jesus is now going to resist the devil, and what does he do? He does what you and I should do, and here's what he does. And you can find it right here in verse 4. Jesus answered, it is written, man does not live on bread alone, 
He's like, no. Jesus resists the devil. Here's what he doesn't do. He doesn't pull out the God card and just be like, I'm God, go away. He doesn't do that. He uses scripture. It doesn't say, and he thought in his mind. It says, and he said, no, for it is written. You and I, we resist the devil by speaking the word of God. Jesus resisted the devil by speaking God's word. Jesus quoted scripture to the devil. He's like, no, and here's the reason why. So, Jesus, so Satan doesn't give up immediately. So Satan's like, okay, um, let's, let's, let's try this again. So he says, okay, I'll take you up on, I'm going to show you all the kingdoms of the world. And he shows them all the kingdoms of the world. And here's what the Bible says. It says that Satan says, if you bow down and worship me, I have all, all of the authority here is mine, and I'll give it to whomever I please. All you have to do is worship me. So what does Jesus do? Again, Jesus resists the devil by quoting scripture, and he says, no, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and worship him only. So he's like, no, he uses scripture. He uses scripture. But understand this. He doesn't say he thought about it. He doesn't say he blogged about it. It says, and he said. You need to understand the power in what you say. There is so much power in what you say. You and I, were made in the image of God, and how was the entire world created? God spoke, and the world came into existence. It is the spoken word that has power. It is not the thought word that has power. It's not even the heard word that has power. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God, but faith without works is dead, which means if you're not speaking it, it's not going to do any good. It's like a seed that you hold in your hand. If you don't put it in the ground, it will not grow. No matter how much potential is in that seed and what beautiful plant it could grow into, until it's planted in the ground, it's not going to do anything. No matter what you hold in your heart, if you have the entire Bible memorized, but you never speak the word of God, it's, it's not going to change you. Because faith without works is dead. It needs to be spoken. Jesus resists the devil by speaking. He's like, no, I'm not going to do this. And the third time, Satan's like, I'm going to do this again. He takes him up to the temple and is like, hey, and now here you go. Guess what? Guess who else knows some scripture? It's the devil. And so the devil says, hey, you're the son of God. Hey, throw yourself down from here, for it is written. He will charge his angels concerning you that you will not strike your foot against the stone. So the devil knows some scripture. But Jesus answers and he says, no, for it is also written. And this is where we need to know the word of God. Some people, we know just enough to get in trouble. We know just enough to get in trouble. We need to know. Hosea 4, 6, my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. This is where I, I, I'm so thankful for growing up in a family that just taught me the rhythm of reading God's word every day, of just reading God's word, getting it in there. You know, the Bible says that the Holy Spirit will bring things that we have heard to our remembrance, but if we haven't heard it, there's nothing for it to bring. It's like going to a bank and asking for money. They're like, you never made a deposit. You're like, yeah, but you're a bank and you've got money. They're like, yeah, but you didn't put any in. You can't get anything out. And I'm so thankful for just the rhythm. Just growing up with the rhythm of you read the Bible every day, every day. 
you're studying, you're reading every day. Remember, I went to Bible college, and that was the first time I think I really began to apply myself to, to doctrinally understanding the Bible. And I would sit there in class, and, and the professor would say something, and I'd be like, oh, well, that makes sense. And I would remember something that I heard. I don't remember if it was like it was Pastor Scott in youth group, if it was something from kids or a tape that I heard my dad listening to while we were fishing because he was always listening to something. He'd buy a boat, but he wouldn't buy the boat unless the stereo. He's like, I got to be able to listen to my stuff. Anyways, so I'm like, did I hear it there? Like, where, where did I hear this? I couldn't remember the exact spot, but I remember, and in my mind, sitting in class, and this professor's up to this really old guy. Uh, I'd always watch his knees because he would walk back and forth on the stage, but I could never find his knees because he had these kind of big pants and he was old and had really, really, really thin legs. And you could barely see his knees. Like his, his pant legs never bent. He just had these little tiny legs. So I'd watch his knees and try to find him while he was speaking. <laughs> Anyways, so he's, he's preaching and I'm sitting there listening and I remember just sitting in my chair and I'm like, thank you, Jesus. I didn't bring Helping me to remember things that I've heard, pieces coming back together. And in my mind, I was like, I know, I, I just felt like I've got a mountain of bricks. And as I'm building a foundation, God is helping me to remember bricks and things that I've heard over the years. And be like, this is where that scripture fits in. And here's where this fits in. And here's where this truth is, is applied right here. And that it wasn't wasted. And I remember thinking, I am so just, just how incredibly blessed. I'm like, I'm so blessed to have had that rhythm of just reading the Bible. God's word doesn't return void. And then I began to apply myself, and all of a sudden, I reaped the fruit of a lot of my parents' discipline. We're like, hey, we're going we're gonna to spend some time reading together. We resist the devil the same way that Jesus did. And it's when we speak the Word of God. It's when we speak the Word of God. The Bible has a, a particular word for it in the Greek, and it's actually the rhema word. And rhema literally means the spoken word, that there's a difference between words that are not spoken and words that are. We'll get into, in Ephesians, has the armor of God in it, and it talks about the sword of the Spirit, which is the word, and that word there literally is the word rhema, which means the spoken. And here's what I want you to, to understand about this. The spoken word of God is the only offense that we have. It is the spoken word of God. It's not the written. It is the spoken. It's when you and I choose to speak the word of God, not thought, not heard, it's when you and I speak it. And what did James 4, 7 says? Resist the devil and he will flee from, who's, who's he going to flee from? You. He'll flee from you. So you and I need to be the ones that are speaking it. And we can't leave that up to somebody else to speak for us. We need to know the word and we need to speak it. Uh, many years ago, I was on, on staff at a church over in Granville, uh, Res Life, and I got a call. And this woman says, hey, I'd like to talk to a pastor. And I'm like, hey, I'm, I'm the pastor on today. What can I help you with? And she says, um, um, I need to come in. Um, I need someone to cast a demon out of me. Can you do that? And I'm like, 
this is kind of new. And I just sit there and I'm like, okay, um, just thinking through some stuff in the Bible. I'm like, yes, absolutely, I can. Come on in. Um, I'm like, I know what the Word of God says. So, yes, ab- absolutely. So, so she comes in and I, I just said, hey, how are you doing? And she's like, I'm not doing very good. And I've got this. And she just kind of go- goes into the story and she's like, I need you to cast a demon out of me. And I'm like, no, you don't. And she goes, yes, I do. And she goes, you don't believe that I have a demon? And I'm like, no, that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is you need to learn. I said, here's what she wanted. She wanted me to resist the devil for her. She didn't want to resist the devil. I'm like, you need to resist this. And so I just kind of sat down. I did a mini message. You ever want to know what it's like to get counseling from me? I just preach. It's the same as this. It's the same thing. Here's the word of God. Just do it. There it is. Okay, so I just began to preach, and I'm like, no, here's what the Word of God says. Resist the devil, and I went through, and he'll flee from you. And he said, well, I need you to do it. I'm like, no, you don't need me. You don't need Joyce Myers. You don't need this pastor. You don't need 100 pastors. You don't need 100 people preaching at the, or praying at the same time for you. No, the Bible says we're two or more gathered together. There he is. You and one more, get it done. You just need to know what the Word of God is. And I said, and here's the other thing on that. So the Bible says that when a demon leaves a person, that they leave out and they realize they don't like it. So they want to go back. And they go back. This is found in Matthew. That they go back and they find that the house is clean and they say, this is no good. So they leave. They get seven friends more wicked than themselves and they return. And the end state of that person is worse off than they were in the beginning. I told her, I said, so here's the deal. I can cast a demon out of you, but understand this. You are the one that needs to resist the devil, and it's going to come back. And if you don't resist it now, you won't resist it later. And so we walked through that together. And when we did, then we prayed. The demon left, and I saw her at church over and over and over. And I'm like, how are you doing? She's like, I'm doing great. I'm doing great. We have to know for ourselves, and here's what we have. We have a a professional mentality in many ways. And here's what a professional mentality is. A professional mentality is somebody, leave it to the professionals. Leave it to the pastors. Leave it to the evangelists. Leave it to that guy on YouTube. Leave it to that lady over here. Leave it to Joyce Myers. Leave it to, and you can name whoever you're thinking of. We're like, leave it to them. Or if I could get this person to pray, or if I could get 100 people to pray, if I could get 700 people to pray at 707, come on, sevens, then this would just be great. And we're like, that, that, that would do it. Jesus never did that in his example. If we want to walk in the authority that God has for us, the example that he has for us is you resist the devil and he will flee from you. The example that we have is that Jesus used scripture, that we need to know what God's word says, so that when sickness comes, we're not like, I just know I shouldn't have this, but that we know what the Bible says, that Mark 16, 18 says, lay hands on the sick and they will recover. So I'm going to lay hands on the sick and they will recover, not because of how special I am, but because I know, submit yourself therefore unto God, resist the devil and he will flee. And here's what it says in Matthew. 16, 18, I know what it says, so when sickness comes, I'm going to stand against it. I'm going to stand against it. How am I going to stand against it? Because I'm going to say out loud, and we're going to pray. Like We're going to pray. I didn't know it, but that was one of the things that when Beck and I were dating, that she was like, 
this is my man. This is who I want. We went, we went snowboarding. And I don't know if you've ever gone down like a bunny hill snowboarding in Michigan. They're too slow. Like you're going so slow, you can't learn. It's like traveling really slow on a bike, you, you, you can't do it. Like you have to be good to go super slow on a bike. Because it just, have you ever tried? You guys are like, I don't even ride bikes. Seriously? Mountain biking group is starting and you're all welcome. It's going to be awesome. But you ride a bike really slow and it's difficult. So we, I, Beck and I go snowboarding. And we go to, I think it was Cannonsburg. Bittersweet. Bittersweet. We went to Bittersweet. And I'm like, we're not going to go down the bunny hill because the bunny hill is too slow. I'm like, we're going to go to the top. And she's like, I don't know. I'm like, it's way better. The bunny hill is too slow. And, and our mountains here aren't mountains. They're hills, and we make them higher. But anyways, so like, we'll just go up to the top. So we go up to the top. She'd never done it before, and she starts going down. And she does great until she doesn't. And when she doesn't, she catches her front edge, and she falls. But she doesn't even fall on her face. It was just it was really amazing how she did it. She kind of like did this full flip thing and landed on her back. And I'm like, oh, that's going to hurt. So I come up, and she's like, yeah, that really hurt. That, that, that really hurt. Um, and then I was like, let's pray. Uh, so, so, so we prayed. Um, and I didn't think a whole lot about it. But later, she told me, she's like, I had never been around somebody who would just be like, well, this is what the Word of God says, so this is what we're going to do, and we're going to pray. She's like, we were underneath the chairlift, and you didn't whisper. <laughs> you weren't like, okay, God. <laughs> like, we're going we're gonna to pray. And we prayed. And I was like, well, of course that's what we do. Because in my world, that's what you do. But not all of us are in that world or come from that world or have seen that in any way. And so we're a bit more like, I don't know. Um. Don't laugh too hard, but I used to teach gymnastics, okay? Um, it was just little kids. It was just little kids. But, but I taught gymnastics, and I've, I know I've shared this story before, but it's, it's awesome, and it fits perfectly here. So I was teaching little kids gymnastics, and afterwards they're like, hey, we're going to do a coach's lesson, and you can learn some stuff. I'm like, I want to learn some stuff. I want to do some flips and things. And, and uh, they're like, we're going to do back handsprings. I'm like, sounds good. So we're on that bouncy floor. So it's not, you know, it's not solid like this. It's on the, the spring floor. And they're like, we're going to teach you how to do this. And, and so I'm getting ready to go over into a back handspring. And right as I'm about to go, the coach just looks at me. He's like, lower your butt. And so I'm like, my butt, my butt. Where's my butt? i got to lower my butt. So I'm like, lower my butt. And so I jump to do a back handspring, but I'm so focused on my butt, I forget to put my hands out. Okay? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was the one teaching. I know. So I literally jumped just right under my head. Just no hands. Because a back handspring, you usually go backwards onto your hands. Okay, this is as far back as I can go. Just so you know, this makes it even funnier that I did gymnastics. I know. So I jump right onto my head, and you could just, you could hear the, like you can imagine. And, and I'm on the ground, and no lie, I'm on the ground, and I get up, and I'm just like, oh. And I get up, and I kind of walk off over towards the edge of the mat, and I'm just like, my eyes are closed, and I'm like, that hurt. And, and the, the lady, that, the head coach, she runs over, and a few of the other coaches come around and like, what do you need? And I'm like, I need you guys to pray for me. <laughs> and so I just sit there, and they come over, and they're like, okay. And, and one of them puts their hands on me. There's like three or four coaches around, and they begin to pray. And the first one prays, and they go, God, I pray that the pain wouldn't keep them up all night. 
And I kind of peek my eye open. I'm like, who prayed that? But I don't want to move my neck. Right? And then the next one goes, and they're like, I pray that he could come to work. I'm like, that's probably my boss. Like, really? Like, he wouldn't be out for two. They finished praying. And I, they finished praying. And I had no intention of praying, but I'm like, I think their prayers are worse than the injuries probably is. I'm like, are you serious? So at the end, I was like, they, I think they may even have said amen, and I was like, no! So I was just like, no, God, I just think I'm healed from the top of my head to the soles of my feet, that your angels are camped around about me, keeping me safe, and then I think that every ligament, every bone, every tendon is tendon, tendon, who knows what I said, all of it's right where it belongs, in Jesus' name, amen. But I got up, and I was like, they don't know how to pray. I wouldn't want their prayers to come true. I'm like, that's how you'd pray for an enemy. <laughs> and that's what they're praying for me. We need to know what God's word has to say. We want to walk in that authority. Jesus said, the things that I will do, you will do. That's for you and me. We hold up Jesus as God because that's who he is. But what he did when he walked, he did as an example for you and me. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 11, 1, he said, follow my example as I follow Christ. He was an example. He used the word of God. We resist the devil by speaking the word of God, not thinking. We speak it. And I think a lot of us can miss it right there because we know it, but we don't say it. We know it and we're like, or, or we know about something. And so we're like, yeah, you know, um, I, I know that this shouldn't be happening in my life. I know that I should have the favor of the Lord on me, but, but, but I don't know what's going on with it. And so we just kind of like, I don't understand what's going on. Instead of being like, wait a second, I know what Malachi says, Malachi 3.10. And I know that I tithe. And God, you said that if I do, you would open the windows of heaven and throw, open the windows of heaven, throw such a blessing that I'd not have room for it. So yeah, things, the, the company might not look good now, but God, I thank you for favor and that your hand is on my finances. And we speak it because here's the deal. Remember this. Satan knows scripture. We saw what Satan did to Jesus. He quoted scripture. But we need to know and be able to say, but it is also written. We need to know the context when Satan comes along and is like, God doesn't want you to have anything. Didn't he not like, didn't he not like the rich man? Didn't he tell him it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of the needle than a rich man to go to heaven? You have too much. That's why all of this is happening to you. Anybody ever fight that thought? And you're like, wait a minute. No, I'm blessed to be a blessing. If, I'm not, if I can't take care of my family, I can't bless anyone. James 4, 7, submit yourself therefore unto God, resist the devil and he will flee. We have to submit to God. You cannot take that out. You cannot take it out. We're his ambassadors when we're listening to him and when we are following his voice. When we step out on our own, we're out from underneath his covering. We're out, his authority will not be behind us. 
It will not be there. But when we know what God's word is, we're submitted to God, then yes, we have authority and we need to walk in it. Walk in the authority. Resist the devil and he will flee. Remember Ephesians 1, 3. We've read this, but it's been a few weeks. Praise be to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing. You are complete through your union with Christ. It's what Jesus did on the cross. You can think, well, I've done this wrong, and what about this, and I made this mistake. You may have ran a hundred miles away, but can I tell you, it's one step back that you just say, God, forgive me. And he does. You might say, but it's taken me years to screw up my life like this and to walk away. And God's like, I know, but it's one step back. And that step is just, God, forgive me. It's a repentant heart. It's just a repentant heart. Resist the devil and he will flee. Absolutely. The power and authority. Paul prays, he goes, I pray that you would know that you would understand what it is. My prayer for you is that you'd walk in the fullness of life that God has for you. That you'd fall in love with his word. As you see that it is a tool, that it's a weapon, that you wouldn't just think it, that you would speak God's word. That when the devil stands up against you and you watch attacks come at you and your family or your business, sickness, whatever it is, that you don't just welcome it in, but you say, no, this should not be. You go to God's word and you say, no, absolutely not. The Bible says, lay hands on the sick and they will recover, so that's what I'm going to do. And that you go... You put your hands on. Why is there something special about your hands? No. But when we do what God says, we do what we can in the natural. God brings his super, and that's what we call the supernatural. It's a silly thing because I and myself can do absolutely nothing. It's a silly thing to lay hands on somebody. I mean, we really think about it. If you grew up in church and maybe around this a little bit, you're like, no, it's kind of normal. But if you didn't, you're like, no, that's weird. You're like, that's just weird. Why, what do you think you're doing with your hand? Or how about this? Anointing oil. The Bible says, anoint with oil. Is there something special about it? No, it's, it's submitting to God. I've used vegetable oil. I've used motor oil. I've used oil from the Holy Land. I've used all kinds of different oil. It's not the oil. It's obedience to God. Submit yourself to God. Resist the devil and he will flee. You are more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus. I pray that you would know the power that God has available for each and every one of you, that you would look at what Jesus did and not just be like, wow, God did that. But you'd also be like, wow, God wants to do that. And he wants to use you to do it. That you'd walk in the authority, that you'd stand up. You'd stand up against the devil. The wiles of the enemy and his attacks against your family, against your businesses, against your home, and be like, no. God's word says, would you please bow your heads and close your eyes? We're out of time. I think that was supposed to be my opening, but anyways. If you're, here, if you're here this morning and you don't know where you stand with God, or maybe you're here and you're like, I'm the one that's walked away. It's been weeks, months, years. I'm telling you, it's one step back. And that, here's how, how you take that step is you say, God, forgive me. And you surrender to him and make him Lord of your life. 
If you're here today, you don't know where you stand with God, or you say, today's the day I'm going all in. I just need to come back. I'd love the honor of praying with you right where you are. Online, in this room, wherever you are, if that's you, count of three, I want you to lift your hand. Even if I can't see it, God can. If that's you, get ready. When you lift your hand, you're saying, God, I want to be forgiven. I want to be set free. I want to walk in the fullness of life that you have for me, and I want to experience the peace that passes all understanding. If that's you, get ready. One, lift it up high. Two, three. Right now, say, that's me, and today is my day. Awesome. Anyone else? All the way up. Okay, hands down. Everybody, let's just repeat after me. And if you raise your hands as you say these words, say them from your heart. Let's all pray out loud together. Say, Jesus, thank you for setting me free. God, forgive me and make me new. I believe that you died. You shed your blood so I could be free. And from now on, I'm yours. With all that I am, I'll serve you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. Our mission here at Life West Church is to see you and your family equipped and empowered to be and do all that God has for you. For additional resources and info, go to lifewest.church.